Welcome back to Edgework on the Hammer Betting Network. I am host Jason Cooper here with Alex Moreto, Matt Russell, and Todd Cordell to bring you in to Tuesday's slate of games uh, for the NHL. Last night was a lot of fun. Um, and if you're checking us out on Twitter, uh, check us out on YouTube. You guys can interact with us in the comments. Uh, if you're tweeting at us on Twitter, we can't really see that. So come over to our YouTube, subscribe. We got a new channel. Um, come check us out. But anyways, guys, how was, uh, how was last night's uh, slate of bet- bets for you guys? Uh, everything went well or not so hot? I didn't have much last night, to be honest with you. There, a lot of the teams that were playing sort of aligned with kind of where uh, my numbers sort of think they are right now. The one that I sort of looked at that I just couldn't pull the trigger on, and I probably should have, the Ottawa Senators. We talked about them last week. Where we're like, okay, like it's not looking great to start the season, but again, right, what, three games in? Not looking great. Of course, they've won four straight since we've had that conversation, right? And I think the market's like immediately adjusted to the fact that, yeah, you know what? We talked last week again, right? Was I think it was Boston they were playing that night and how Boston might be a little bit better than they were giving credit for and Ottawa might be a little bit worse. Turns out actually both those teams are probably a little bit you know, more accurately rated than we thought. Obviously, Boston's still pretty good, but I think Ottawa uh, finding their stride here a little bit now in the season's second week. Alex Todd, you guys have uh, anything from last night? Or I uh, I had a good night, um, but you know, as always, it's the bets you don't make that upset you more than anything. And exactly. uh, I saw the uh, I saw the Oilers down three um, two at one point in that game, and I really wanted to get a live bet in. I had just gotten back from Costco. I was putting all this meat away in the freezer, and I'm like trying to get a live bet in. I missed it, and then sure enough, you know, the Oilers win five three, and all I care about is no, not the two and zero night, but the the bet I didn't make on the Oilers. Yeah, that's that's how it always seems to be. That's all right. At least uh, at least you didn't bet on the Leafs last night, right? And stay up till stay up late to watch that game. Anyways, yeah. um, sticking with that game though, uh, I'm sure many of our viewers probably watched that game. Um, Leafs at Golden Knights, great game at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, a, co- a little bit of controversy there though. And Alex, you wanted to kind of touch on this. Um, a goal for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, Phil Kessel with his 400th goal, got taken back on an offside review. Alex, you want to just, uh, I don't want to take the lead from you. How, how would you uh, just lead us in here? Yeah, I don't want to be all like old man yells at clouds here, but like this is just, we're grossly abusing this rule and it needs to be changed. This has gone on way too long. Like you're spending 10 minutes analyzing a slow motion replay from 15 different angles, none of which are actually good. Like, let's be clear, none of these angles you have to like piece together. Like at what point do we at least get a camera that is just straight down the line where you can see this stuff? So we're spending 10 minutes analyzing this thing. We're like, we're scrutinizing these plays that happen 40 seconds, 45 seconds before a goal even goes in. They have nothing to do with the play itself. And we're sitting there like, oh, I don't know, Jim. It looks like his foreskin was maybe over the line still. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand how we're still doing this. Like, every night we're doing this, and it's killing the game. You have these kids watching who are, like, you know, on their TikToks all day that don't have any attention span. And, and we're sitting here with like 10 minute reviews that like, who's going to stick, who's going to stick around through this stuff. There's no shot. I, I can't, I just can't do it anymore. Like it's getting really painful. Yeah. You guys are talking about how you, you know, should we talk about this? And I was like, do you want to talk about this this week, next week, every week for the rest of our <laughs> lives? Because it always, it has and always will be the stupidest rule in all of sports, right? There is no other circumstance where we minute, you know, get down into the minutia of something that happened upwards of 10 30, 45 seconds beforehand. Like this just, 
It's never made any sense. We have linesmen for a reason. If they quote unquote screw up a call by like a half of a stride, or in your cases, a half of a foreskin, um, you know, okay, you know what? Like we can live with that, right? Like that's what they're there for. Other than to break up fights, I mean, what are we talking about here? We've already, you know, basically almost eliminated icing from from their sort of you know jurisdiction here. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we even bothering with this? So yeah, like I understand how you get frustrated, but it's honestly something that I've just decided. Like, okay, it's honestly I'm not going to watch as nearly as many games because of not necessarily the specifics, because this only happens like once in every few games, or whatever. But just the idea overall that this exists tells me all I need to know about the product and who's managing. Yeah, I was just gonna say like in general reviews like they take 10 minutes to review them if it's not conclusive if you can't tell immediately that it's wrong just leave it like you can't spend five to ten minutes and then overturn the call how is that conclusive because if it's conclusive you know right away like you're like yeah that's wrong. Yeah, and that goes for all sports, right? Yeah, and it's just like we don't need to be sitting around for this. So for Europe, like you got you got VAR and you got uh, in tennis, like they have the replay too. Like they have this down to a science, and we have like these old men who can't you know see without like four pairs of spectacles on, trying to analyze like if someone's a millimeter offside. I just, it drives me insane. In the situation room with twenty different screens, it's crazy. Yeah. but let's let's get a t- like they have for the pylon cam in the NFL. Like let's get that on the blue line ASAP. Like what are we doing here? Crazy stuff. All right. Well, on to the next topic we have for today, guys. Uh, we wanted to touch on some of the teams that have uh, impressed you guys a little bit. Um, I know one of them for me is the Philadelphia Flyers. They may not have had the hardest schedule to start the season, but then even coming out with a winning record seven games into the season is a complete shock to me. Um, Alex, you want to lead us off on this one? Uh, teams that have impressed us? Yeah, I mean, the Flyers definitely have, but you know, I, I don't think – I think this is just a case of small sample size. I don't think this is going to be a, a great season for them. Um, for me, it's probably Vegas. I know I, t- I touched on them a little bit last week too. Um, and they laid a beat down on the Leafs last night. Like that score line was was pretty flattering for Toronto. Uh, and, and, I mean, they had 94 points last season. Still a pretty good season, all things considered. When, like, Eichel played 34 games, he came back after, you know, such a long layoff. Those 34 games were not the true Jack Eichel either. Stone played 37 games. Martinez missed most of the season. Their goaltending was bad. Like, Leonard had a down year. Brassois was not good backing him up. And, and everyone's saying, like, the issue now, oh, well, goaltending is the issue coming into the season. I mean, Logan Thompson was really good when he got the chance last year. They didn't get good goaltending last year anyways. I think that this team, you know, I think they have all the ingredients right now. Like they have an incredibly deep roster on the front and back end. Um, you know, I think Thompson's, you know, the, the guy in goal. I think uh, Cassidy is a very good coach. And it's been an awesome start to the season. You know, I have very high hopes for this team. And I think that they've still impressed, even given where my bar was coming into the year. Um, and, you know, the underlying numbers have matched their record so far. They're fourth in expected goal share at five on five. Um uh, you know, Thompson's playing great. His Calder odds are slashed considerably. Uh, they're suppressing chances. They're creating a lot of high danger chances. I think this is a very good team, and I don't see any reason why, you know, we can't be talking about them as, you know, Western Conference finalists, even Western Conference representatives at the end of the season. Yeah, and fair enough. And Logan, Logan Thompson, what a story he's been. Potentially a Calder guy. Um, he's crazy. A couple of years ago, he's playing at Brock University, and now he's in the NHL potentially winning a Calder, and uh, who knows where it goes from there. Um, moving from teams that we're, we were most impressed by, there's a couple teams that have been extremely underwhelming, and uh, primarily the Vancouver Canucks. Um, that situation is not looking so good over there. Seven games into the season, the only winless team in the NHL. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux seems to be on the hot seat. I don't really know how much you can blame him. I don't know 
I don't know if it's Patrick Alvin. There's a lot going on there. Um, do you guys have any thoughts, any uh, opinions, I guess, on the Vancouver Canucks so far? Well, I was all ready to give my two teams that I was ready to get hurt by again uh, in the NHL. Then you went and then you brought up the Brock University Badgers. I am a fellow <laughs> Badger, so I got a little pumped up about my uh, about my alumni. And now you got to go and bring up the Canucks on us, right? And like we talked about it last week, okay? Like it just seems to be something different every single time, you know? Like we're blaming JT Miller for you know all of the world's troubles, and then he scores twice last night. And it's like okay, well maybe JT is back, and you know people are able to pick their jerseys off the ice. And it's like no, actually the rest of the team pretty much was awful. And obviously they had a couple of guys out of Besser and Hughes being out. And, you know, I can ask you guys and, and Todd might have an, a decent answer to this, but like those sort of medium type pieces in a Besser and a Hughes, I'm, I'm, maybe it's maybe it's devaluing them a little bit. Like, what do you guys what do you guys attribute from a, a win probability standpoint when those guys are out? Like, is it a three percent type of the thing? Four percent? Because that to me is the theme of the first couple of weeks is trying to figure out from a win probability when, you know, this player or that player is out. Do those guys even sort of qualify? Because, again, they get absolutely, you know, housed on in a lot of the metrics last night, 13 to four in high danger chances at, at even strength. And, you know, again, like one time it's Demko, the other time, now next time it's Johnny Gaudreau is pulling off like, you know, insane wraparound goals on the backup goaltender. How many, how much of this is Boudreaux, right? Like the team looks pretty lifeless out there. But like, do you just fire a guy after seven games who, you know, you kind of were in this like in and out, in and out thing over the course of the offseason? Like that doesn't really feel like the correct move, especially it's not like a guy they just found, you know, are giving an opportunity as a new head coach. This guy's a veteran head coach. He's been in the league for a long time. Is proven he knows how to do it. So, you know, I think a lot of times it's fire the coach or do this or do that. You know, the GM's an idiot and blah, blah, blah. It's like at some point the players have to actually do something. Right. Like at some point, Demko has to steal them a hockey game. At some point, Pedersen has to take over a hockey game here. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, you can get worked up about it, but, it, you know, it was three games and then four games. Now it's seven games. Are we going to be here in, you know, 10, 15 games into the season and they're going to have zero, one or two wins? You know, I don't know. Right. Like it's the same thing, but in reverse as it was with the Senators. Right. Like, OK, we're going to throw everything out because they weren't, you know, that great in the first week. Are we going to throw everything out because they're not that great in the first two weeks? Like all of this stuff, when we come back in February, March, like tell me anything in your life in the NHL that you ever remember happening in October. Like, give me any any game result, any week, any anything ever that's ever happened in October that you remember being like, wow, that was really significant. Because I think sometimes we just have to stop being like crazy hockey fan guy and like have to sit back and just be like, you know what? No one's going to remember this three months from now. Now, if three months from now, they're still, you know, they're still winless, for example, then yeah, we'll probably remember this. But I don't think there's any changes that can and should be made right now. You just kind of have to grin and bear it. And sometimes it comes down to just the players pulling up their socks and actually coming up with a decent effort. And I thought that was going to be last night with even with those guys out. And it just wasn't. I think and, the, I so think one on. of the bigger things is, especially with Hughes out, like their blue line, they don't have very many puck movers at all. And Hughes does all the heavy lifting in terms of transition, breaking out of the zone. So not having him, especially for Vancouver, sure. is, is huge because especially against a team like Carolina that's really good on the forecheck and really on you all the time, you have to move it so quick and so crisp. And they just don't have anybody who can do that. And I think that like kind of fed into why they got 
dominated the way they did, even though they needed a result. Yeah, I mean, like last year, Boudreaux came in and they went 32-15-10 and 10 with Boudreaux. <laughs> like he turned the team around considerably. That's a 107-point pace. That would have been enough to finish fifth in the Western Conference over the course of a full season. And now, like, Myers has missed half the season. Dermott hasn't played yet. Now Hughes is out. The defense is brutal to begin with, even with all those guys in. Demko... I mean, you guys want a fun stat? 65 goalies have started a game in the NHL this season. Demko is dead last in goal saved above expected. Like, that's not that's not a Boudreaux issue. The defense is not a Boudreaux issue. They're still dealing with the fallout from Jim Benning. Like, yeah. I think that right now it, it's miserable going to the rink in Vancouver. Like, it's it's a bad scene. Like, those players are probably, you know, it's, it's a tough time to show up to work every day. You need a guy like Boudreaux who's a player's coach. He's a veteran. He's been there. He knows how to kind of help make it a bit more tolerable, help push these guys through. I think that the issues in Vancouver run way deeper. Um, and, you know, you need a silver lining if you're a Vancouver fan right now. And I think that Boudreaux is the silver lining. You at least can say, like, hey, we have our guy behind the bench. Like, we have the right coach. Now it's just about getting him the right roster and getting through this rough patch. So I think that, you know, you you then make a rash decision and, and scapegoat Boudreaux to fire him just for the sake of firing him. Like, I don't care if you start 2-18. and 18, Boudreaux's the guy. It's not on him right now. The system's working. The underlying numbers are actually pretty good. Like they're middle of the pack still in, you know, uh, expected goals against and expected goal share with that defense, which says a lot about his system, which says a lot about what he's doing right now. So yeah, I don't think that, I think his lease should be very, very long. Um, I think this has to get very bad before they should even consider making a change there. Yeah. And I'm sure Thatcher Demko, like we've seen him play out of his mind for a lot of his career. And I'm, I'm wondering, maybe this could just be a rough patch for him. Like sometimes goalies, like we say, always goalies are voodoo. We never really know it them. So maybe it could be that it's their, maybe it's their defense. Who knows? A lot of problems there. And hopefully they'll be able to figure that out soon. Um, before we head into tonight's game, though, if you're watching on Twitter, I want you guys to come over to the YouTube channel just because uh, it's easier for us to interact with you guys and, uh, all your comments and tweets at us. If, if you just come over to YouTube, you can comment and we can see them. We can bring them up. So, um, yeah. Speaking come- of comments, Jason, sorry. Just Leafs Digest. I see that there. I just want to just put that up for him. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, uh, moving on to uh, tonight's games. We got a pretty pretty big slate of NHL games. I think there's like nine or ten games. Uh, first one we're going to start with, though, is uh, Dallas at Boston. Boston minus 150 favorites as of uh, right now. Um, both teams are first in their uh, respective conferences in the East and the West. Um, Alex, why don't, why don't you lead us off here with uh, with this game? Yeah, um, I don't have anything on this game. For me, this is kind of like a Dallas or nothing spot. Uh, I think the Bruins are catching Dallas in a good spot, though, which is kind of why it's enough for me to stay away. Um, the Stars sort of strategically saved Ottinger to start here, right? They went with Wedgwood last night. So it's pretty rare to see a team use their starter on the back end of a back-to-back. So I think that that was... Uh, obviously looking ahead to this game against Boston and they wanted to save Ottinger who's been like, like he picked up right where he left off in the playoffs last year. He's, he's first in the NHL in goals saved above average third in goals saved above expected. Uh, he's they're four Oh and Oh in his starts this year. He's allowed five goals in those four starts. And, you know, I mean, it's hard to bet against a guy like that, especially on the heater he's on Boston. I talked about them last week, how high I am on this team, but I think the market is really caught up. Uh, they've had a pretty easy schedule low to date, to be fair. Like they're five and one on the year, but like they haven't really played anyone, maybe like Florida, you know. Um, but I mean, again, Florida's dealing with some injuries. So I think we are getting a little bit of value on the stars here. I'm still a little hesitant to pull the trigger, but yeah, it's Dallas or nothing for me here. Yeah, the stars are, are one of my two teams that I'm ready to get hurt. Maybe I'm not ready <laughs> just yet, but by the time April rolls around, I'll be ready to get hurt again come playoff time. Um, 
it, you know, you mentioned, you know, we talked about this again. It's funny how things change in a week, right? We talked last week about how, you know, if you like Boston at the start of the season, just bet Boston in their games because there was all kinds of value, all kinds of plus money value in those games. You mentioned like they haven't really played anybody. It's like, yep. well, they were plus money, you know, in at least two of the games to start the season. It's like, yeah, like that's how quickly things change that if those games happened, you know, this week, for example, they might be minus, you know, they might be the favorite in the in those games. So that's what we are sort of seeing here with this market. Now, you know, normally I have about a 5% adjustment for a team coming off of back-to-back because like you mentioned, most of the time the backup goalie is coming in. So I think it's kind of cool that the stars are like, you know what? Let's flip it around here. Let's line up because you can do the thing where you're like, well, we played in a second of a back-to-back and we had our backup goaltender. It's almost this like built-in excuse that if you go to Boston, you get housed by the Bruins. Like they're this, like they know. Okay, we're gonna tr- we're gonna test ourselves here with our like full sort of top lineup here. So, you know, even though I'd probably knock a, a couple percentage points off of the adjustment for the back to back, this line is so accurate that there just isn't anything for for me to play here, which is kind of a bummer because again, we saw some inaccurate lines and inaccurate prices with the Bruins early on in the season, and there is, like you said, reason to like the Stars tonight. The disrespect to the Senators, eh? Yeah, we don't care. We're not starting Ottinger in the first game. That's right. <laughs> um, Todd, do you have any thoughts on this game, or is it pass um, for you? I pass on the game. My only play for this game was actually Pasternak shots, just because he's averaging eleven or twelve attempts a game, and with stars in a road back to back, I figure they might let up a decent amount of volume. So I went with Pasternak again at minus one hundred four for four and a half shots, uh, but no play on the game. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well. On to the next game. We kind of have a, uh, I, I guess we can call this the marquee game of the night, the Colorado Avalanche against the New York Rangers. Big, big game. Two big teams, both with Stanley Cup ambitions. Um, right now, the it's it looks like it's a pick em, actually, between the two. Um, wh- which which way are you guys leaning on this one? Are you guys leaning Rangers? Are you guys leaning, leaning Avs? Or just is this a no play for you? I have a lot of games this tonight, and like none of them are these marquee games. So it's more, it's more going to be like which games do I want to watch? The ones I have action on, or the ones that are sort of more interesting. And obviously, the interesting part here is Georgiev, you know, starting for Colorado against his former team. And again, I don't know how you guys feel about it. Like, is that the advantage to the shooters or to the goaltenders? I tend to think it's the advantage to the shooters because they're they get to shoot on you know that goaltender in practice for you know however long you know that that goaltender was on the team. Um, so I would probably lean, you know, to the Rangers here, but I don't think you're getting any value here. This is, you know, again, you said it's Prickham. That's pretty much where I am. There's a small, listen, if this somehow went to like Rangers plus anything, you know, it's 10, what, 1040 right now, 1050. We got a lot, a lot of runway here before this game starts. And maybe, you know, we see a line movement. We see all, we see that happen all the time here. Maybe people get, you know, interested in the avalanche because you're getting a, a price that you're not used to getting when it comes to the avalanche. You don't often get them in pick type games. So they might attract some money here. At which point, you know, if you can get anything in sort of the plus 105 type of area here with the Rangers, I would take my shot with them facing their uh, former goaltender. Yeah, I, I wasn't super high on the Rangers coming into the season. No. Like last year, it was basically like you're riding your Hawk goaltender and a great power play to all their success. Yeah. Like Shister can put up otherworldly numbers. If he's not going to do that again then, you know, this team isn't going to be as good. And weirdly, like, it's, it's small sample sizes, so I'm not putting much stock into it right now. But weirdly, Shesterkin has been bang average this year, and the team has actually put up some decent underlying numbers. Like, they've been a lot better at 5-on-5. Five five. So it's been an interesting yeah. sort of shift so far. Um, but, yeah, I, I have nothing here. I'm just going to sort of sit back and watch how this plays out with the Rangers. 
Well, the frustrating thing about their run last year, for those of us who were, you know, trying desperately to fade them uh, successfully, was because they were mirroring what they did in the regular season, right? Where it was like the metrics weren't very good at, at even strength or, you know, in, in the sort of skating realm. And, you know, Shesterkin would have great nights and he'd have bad nights and, and they sort of just barely kind of got by there getting into the conference finals. But it doesn't mean that they're not allowed to improve, right? Whether it's hockey, football, basketball, whatever. Like, I believe that you're allowed to improve and you're allowed to get better from year to year. And so, like, I kind of give the Rangers a clean slate at the start of the year. And I acknowledge, like, Shesterkin's not going to be as good. But you know what? Maybe they're also better at even strength and five on five, right? And so we have seen that. So you sort of have to kind of, like, remove that whole experience from last year of being frustrated that the Rangers were kind of pulling off these wins. And then just go, okay, like, what do we have fresh, right? And and they're looking a lot better. Uh, I mean, their record's, what, you know, three wins, three losses, uh, you know, against the money line here, so they're not exactly setting the world on fire here. But, you know, if you're showing me that you're playing a little bit better, then I can have a little bit more faith in you. Because, honestly, I don't really care. As long as you're playing well, I will back you. I actually, yeah. I like the under in this spot. I played under six and a half at plus money. Okay. Um, the Avalanche are bottom 10, believe it or not, in uh, – chance generation at five or five and they're top 10 in preventing them they're playing like much slower much less chance uh event game than they were a season ago which makes sense because the forward depth is not near as good as it was in the playoffs and the rangers are actually third in shot suppression at five or five behind only new jersey and carolina so i think um there's not going to be a ton of chances in this game and i'm gonna guess that shesterkin is not going to be a 901 goaltender moving forward so i actually like thunder in this spot are you at all worried that I see it in the comments too? They're talking about it. Are you at all worried about the Rangers pulling a stars and saving Shesterkin for tomorrow and going Halak tonight? I don't think that's going to happen. Because no, because Halak sucks. The Islanders too. Yeah, yeah, Halak's, and Halak yeah. sucked the last game. And also, I would think they're going to use the big dog for Colorado. Yeah, and Halak's gotten some good amount of work, and it's not like they've been riding Shesterkin through the first yeah. six games. Like Halak started two of those already. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, sticking with the trend of back to backs, let's head over to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, facing off against the San Jose Sharks. Vegas Golden Knights minus 172 favorites. Um, this is maybe one of the less uh, interesting games, Matt, you were talking about. Uh, you want to you lead us off here? But, but, but we have a wager, everybody. Yeah. We have a wager. <laughs> yeah, give me the Sharks here. Like, you know, they have this tough start to the season where they have to go to, what, Switzerland and get beat up by the Predators who, you know, you know, no matter where you play, the Predators, that's going to be a tough time, just the style in which they play. Uh, and then they have to come back and then it's like, okay, we get a couple of home games here after a trip to Europe. And then they hit the road. And, you know, those results actually were pretty good going on the road. Obviously, you know, they've got now a couple of wins. You know, as we spoke last week, they hadn't had a win yet. They got a couple of those. Uh, and of course, you have Vegas off the back to back. Right. And, you know, they're certain back to backs are not equal to others. When you have the Toronto Maple Leafs coming to town in Vegas, where I know people who flew from Toronto to Vegas to go see that game, like that's a big game for Vegas. This, You know, it, it, when you walk into the building and there's honestly like just as many fans for their, you know, your opponent as there are for you when you're used to having that home ice advantage, like it's not surprising that they played really, really well. 3.87 to 2.41 and expected goals at even strength. But now they go and they're going to, to San Jose and like there couldn't be sort of a more different environment to go play in. Meanwhile, San Jose has sort of got their feet under them here a little bit. And I don't think San Jose is going to be particularly like this great team. You know, we showed some value on them going on the road to beat the aforementioned Rangers last week, which they did. And the one sort of positive regression here is 
They have 0.16 high danger goals for per 60 minutes this season. Like that, that, that there has to be positive regression in that department, right? Like that's just such an insane, like outlier type situation here. Like they're a professional hockey team last I checked. And so there's going to be some positive regression there. You can see their high danger chances are 50, 50, right? So it's not like they're giving up way more and they're not getting any. And that's why they, they're, they're at 0.16. Like they're getting a decent amount of them. They're just not putting them in. Does that regression necessarily hit tonight? You know, who knows here, but we're getting, I think, plus 160 is the best number I saw out there for the home team with, with you know, Vegas coming in, having traveled, of course, and having played sort of a quasi-playoff game last night. Give me the Sharks here uh, at plus 160 to uh, pull off the upset. Yeah, I love that one. I love that one. It's uh, best on the board I see right now at BetStamp, plus 158 at Caesars. So you can get just, the, just about the same price there. Um before we get into our best bet segment and best prop bets of the night, I just want to stress to everyone on Twitter, come visit us on YouTube, subscribe to us. We got a new channel, Edgework, uh, new Edgework channel, excuse me. Um, and again, you can interact with us in the comments and share your thoughts on uh, our best bets of the night. So starting off with best player props, uh, what do you guys, what do you guys have here for us today? I'll let Todd lead us off here. He's the, uh, he's the player gonna, prop guru. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to defer my time here in the prop market to Todd. I have a lot. I played eight uh, player props for tonight so far, but I'll just go with Matthew Kachuk over three and a half shots. I got plus 115. Um, he's hit over three and a half shots every single game so far. He's leading the Panthers in attempts. Um, he has a good matchup against Chicago. Um and with Kachuk, what I love about his attempts is that, like, for defensemen, you're shooting from distance. There's a lot of traffic in the way. Kachuk is a hard-nosed player who takes, like, half of his shots from two feet away. So, like, there's obviously not going to be as many blocks and, or as many missed nets. So if you're shooting a lot and your distance is close, you're going to hit the net a lot, which is what we're seeing with him. So I like Kachuk over three and a half at plus 115 is what I got. Love it. Love it. Uh, Matt, you got a, got a player prop for us tonight? I don't. I just bet whatever Todd tells me to bet. Uh, <laughs> I, will give an extra, I will give an extra game, though. Um, let's go with Florida and Chicago. I'm going to take, uh, take Chicago plus 195 there. Um, this is in the realm of you know player conversation. What's Aaron Ekblad worth to a win probability, right? And we talk about different players you know, forwards or whatever who play 20 minutes. This is a guy who plays certainly a lot more than that and affects all three phases of the game here. He's out. Their numbers have not been great since he has been out here. They're going to Chicago. Bobrovsky starting in net looks like tonight. Um, I have like a 7% adjustment for Ekblad. And honestly, you could talk me into something even greater than that. So at almost plus 200, and again, who knows, by the time puck drops, you might be getting into that magic plus 200 range. Uh, give me Chicago here. And then just bet whatever Todd tells you when it comes to player props. <laughs> and uh, on on BetStamp right now, if you just check it, check us out at BetStamp.app, or you can find BetStamp in the App Store. Best uh, price on the board for Chicago plus two ten at North Star if you're in Ontario. So um, creeping up past plus two hundred. So maybe uh, head on over there and find. Uh, Find a good bet for yourself. Um, Alex, player prop for you? Yeah. So I'm just going to preface this by saying I don't play a ton of player props. Um, so this would definitely be a smaller play than, you know, than what a game line would be, maybe like a third of the stake, if that. Um, but I am going to take a bit of a long shot here on Jonathan Drouin to score. I think you can find that at was plus 525 at Caesars or something like that. Um, so he's been playing on a line with Kirby Dap and 
Josh Anderson. And that line has been arguably the Habs' best line over the last few games since Duran was inserted back into the lineup. Um, he's come really close to scoring the last few games. And I think that, you know, we're getting a good price on a guy who's been on the end of a lot of good chances on a line that's producing. And he's also playing power play one with Suzuki and Caulfield. So I think that's just a bit of a high price on a guy who's going to get a lot of offensive zone shifts at five on five and a guy who's going to be on the power play as well against a wild team whose penalty kill has struggled and who has not been able to get the goaltending to save their lives so far. Yeah, I love that. I, I, Jonathan Duran has had a tough career and I hope, uh, yeah, I hope he gets a point for you tonight and just is better in general. Um, shout out to Andrew Dunn, by the way. Todd always has the best props odds that I can find. Uh, Todd, how do you do it? Um, I'd anyways. play them very early in the morning. There you go. Um, all right. Uh, moving on to the best bets. Uh, who wants to lead us off for our best bet segments? Matt, I'm going to throw to you. Oh. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. No, I greased up Todd because, he, again, he's a legend when it comes to the player props. And, and, and Alex, I think a quick tip on that is, you know, I don't think anybody really knows, you know, anything about their own team as far as whether that team is going to win or lose. But if you're watching a team every night, you're going to glean things when it comes to specific players. You know, Alex obviously mentioned lines and that kind of thing, right? You're going to be better at player props than you are wins and losses with your own team because you have a clearer view of that of those um all that is to say uh sorry todd we're fading your boys tonight here it's the detroit red wings here Uh-oh. minus one of five look at him he's absolutely irate about this i think we're gonna have uh, a head-to-head here yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah the red i know you're, you're loving this because listen they're almost like can you be too good at this point because like the metrics are just like drooling over the devils at this point right but like this also kind of has a you know it's the opposite of the sharks like yes they're a professional hockey team but like they can't be this good and it looks like we're getting vanacek in the in the net tonight and of course they lost their last game they're on a back-to-back here uh and they've already lost to the Detroit red wings once this season but like there has to be some negative regression here for the devils on you know from a five on five on the on on the ice uh, standpoint here and again the goaltending is always the issue with the devils right and they're going with the in my opinion you know, certainly not the the less hot, the colder of the two goaltenders here tonight. And Detroit's numbers—they're not like amazing necessarily, but like they're sneaky okay. Especially, and they've also you know playing pretty well from a record standpoint. I think three zero and two at this point. Um, sorry, Todd, your Devils are just a little bit too good here. They're not going to have their best game uh, tonight in Detroit, and Detroit's going to uh, the small upset, right? I think we got minus one hundred five here with the Red Wings. That'll be my best bet for the night. We were able to grab it at minus 102 at cool bet. Um, Todd, let's, let's throw to you for your best bet. Uh, what, what, Hit me with what it, could it be? <laughs> They're too good, people. Yeah. They're too good. Yeah, I played the Devils. Um, they're first in the league in pretty much every key advanced stat in the league at 5 5. The only thing holding back is the goaltending has been literally the worst it can possibly be. Like, if you look at last year's uh, worst team save percentage, like the Devils are way below even that right now. Um, I don't think that's going to last forever as bad as the goaltending has been. It's got to be at least semi-decent at some point. Uh, Vanasek got lit up in his first game this year, which fair. It wasn't, it was not a good showing, but last year he was top 10 in five or five save percentage and high danger save percentage. So I think there's reason to believe that he could be at least semi-competent here. Um, and then the wings are 25th in high danger chance share. Uh, the devils are first, um, the wings are missing Tyler Bertuzzi on the wing. They're also missing Jakob Vrana. Those are two of the better offensive players, in my opinion. Um, so I like the Devils to bounce back tonight. 
So, Todd, let me – and, again, listen, this is a pick game, right? It could go either way. You know, what do you think is more likely to be sort of sustained? Like, when we're talking about this team in March, like, are we going to still have them – I'm not even saying first in all of these metrics, but are they going to be a top five team in all these metrics? Like, I think I think it's is, possible they're top five, not top ten. Like, last year they were one of the better teams uh, yeah. at five versus five, and they had no Jack Hughes for half the season – Dougie Hamilton missed 20-plus games. They didn't have Pilat. They didn't have some of these other guys. Um, so I actually think the Devils will be really good at 5 5 They just need to save. <laughs> which, which, will they ever get it? I don't know, but I'm going to keep chasing it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people seem hot on Mackenzie Blackwood to start the year, but as you pointed out on your Twitter, uh, might be a little suspect with the teams that they've played so far. Um, yeah. Anyways, let's wrap this up. Alex, what's your, uh, what's your best bet of the night? I kind of want to take the tie in that game now just to round it out. <laughs> I was going to say, you have to take one or the other, I think, to break yeah. it down. No, I am uh, I am going back to San Jose here, not for a play on the Sharks, but for a play on the under. Um, I'm not sure what the best price is available on that now. Under 6 uh, plus 104. Under 6 plus 104. Okay, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, with Vegas on the back-to-back, we're not going to see that same intensity from them uh, up front. I think they still are a very good team at – Suppressing chances, um, you know, fifth in the NHL and expected goals against per 60 minutes. The Sharks are very bad at generating offense. They're 30th and expected goals for per 60 minutes. I just think this is a bit of a slower paced game. Sharks returning home from a long road trip. Uh, first game back. That's usually a tough spot for teams. And then obviously Vegas in the back to back with travel. I just think this is a bit of a slower game, not a ton of offense. So I think that, yeah, there were a lot of 6.5s earlier. If you can get like a 6.5 minus 115 or better or anything under six plus money, that would be my best bet of the night. Sounds good. Sounds good. A good, good slate of bets uh, from you guys here. They all look, look pretty good. Not, not too sure about being uh, on both sides of a game. But well, we can't, we can't have a perfect night now, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but if you're looking to bet the New Jersey, uh, Detroit Red Wings game, head over to Betstamp because there's an incredibly low synthetic hold there. Minus 103 for the Devils, minus 102 for uh, the Red Wings. So grab whichever side you want. Either way, it's going to – it'll be better than uh, the minus 110, paying that extra little bit of juice. So um, anyways, uh, if you're new to the show, guys, please subscribe. Check out our YouTube channel. We just launched a new YouTube channel for Edgework. Um, if you're on Twitter, again, come over to YouTube. Uh, subscribe so you can check us out. Tomorrow, we're here every single weekday for NHL best bets and player props. Um, I'm signing, I'm Jason Cooper signing off for Alex Moretto at Alex J. Moretto on Twitter, Matt Russell at M. Ross Authentic on Twitter, and Todd Cordell at Todd Cordell on Twitter. I hope you guys have a great night and uh, good luck with uh, your bets tonight. Good luck, guys.